Did my book upset you too? More on that coming up next. Welcome to Happily Ever Active, where we crack the consistency code with fitness tips on motivation, mindset, and much, much more. Now, here's your host, author of Feel Like It, and the guy with the silent O, Kelly Dell. Hey there, this is Kelly. Welcome to another episode on the mental side of active living. And speaking of being happily active, if you haven't checked out the last episode, I interviewed the hike addicts about their passion for hiking, and it truly was an uplifting time. At least it was for me, and I think it was for them too. Marianne Iveson and Vicki Castledine brought the laughter. In case you missed it, they're involved in an event called the Everest Challenge, which is raising money for Kids Help Phone. And anyhow, there's a lot of things in that interview that made me feel like hiking and also made me feel really good about the awesome causes that we can attach to physical activity and setting challenges for ourselves. So I'm probably going to donate a really more robust episode on that facet of physical activity. But if you haven't listened to episode number one on the pain pendulum, it's pretty normal to beat ourselves up when we're not as active as we'd like to be. And I like to say we troll ourselves with negative self-talk that can result in feelings like guilt and shame and just frustration in general. We get upset with ourselves and it's not fun. I'm definitely not immune to it. I have a troll too. We all do. It all comes with the territory. That negative part of our minds is a big source of our mental pain, the psychological side of the pain pendulum, as I've described it in episode one. And I talk about this quite a bit in my book. And when I published Feel Like It, I wondered what parts would really resonate with people and what parts wouldn't. And I'm very happy to say that I haven't heard a lot, at least people aren't telling me, the parts that don't really resonate with them, but I'm getting some really interesting feedback. The most intriguing of all of it has been people's reaction to one chapter that's called Poke the Pain. And in that chapter, I share an experience where I came across an unethical sales practice that left me a little bit gobsmacked, that's for sure. Not just a little bit gobsmacked, a lot. And since, I've seen it countless times either in salespeople or in advertising and not just in the fitness industry. But I bring up this one case because it was, I had a front row seat, that's why. I had a front row seat to the whole exchange between a sales manager who was dealing with a new member trying to essentially sell or upsell that new member personal training services. And the person's name was Pierce, or at least that's the name that I give them in the book. It's a true story. Some people say like that story can't be true, but it is. It's a true story. And it's one that I want to kind of break down, at least that technique, the idea of poking the pain in order to create consumption. And let's put it this way. Sometimes fitness culture leaves us feeling awful about ourselves just by accident. When we start comparing our bodies to what we see in the online ads, uh, videos, or even from fitness leaders in the industry, we start really, I mean, it's very easy to, to start feeling badly about where we're at. And so there's a gap between where we are and what we see. And so it's a very visual industry that often gets criticized and at times not fairly at all, but it gets criticized for the vanity or the self-indulgence related to it. And that has a, a role to play in all this, but let's go a little bit further and go back to the idea of poking the pain. And when we feel 
lesser than, when we feel like we are inadequate, we often reach for goods and services. So we open our wallets to try and fix the problem. We reach for those things to be answers to this problem that we don't feel good enough. We don't feel attractive enough. We don't feel thin enough. We don't feel strong enough, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And when we're in this vulnerable position, when we're on the mental side or we've swung to the mental side of the pain pendulum, it's hard not to be manipulated into believing that we will feel better when we spend the money. We will feel better with ourselves if we buy the elaborate personal training package, that that's really the answer to all this when there's something bigger going on. Even if it means signing up for an ironclad contractual agreement with the gym that as you well know, if you've ever done that before, can come with a giant dose of buyer's remorse. And yeah, I've had that buyer's remorse too, not just with gym memberships, but with fitness products or fads or stuff like that. And these agreements, at least with the contractual agreements, they can easily work out too. I don't, don't get me wrong. Like I'm not saying that if you have a gym membership that you know, it's doomed to fail. That's not at all what I'm saying. But when it comes down to making decisions that are truly in our best interests, especially when it comes down to parting with your hard-earned money, we can run into really some really dodgy sales practices. And unfortunately, in the bigger picture, the competitiveness of the fitness industry has yielded such practices, right? So there's a point where there's only so much money to go around, right? I don't want to paint a too broad a brush here. If you work in the industry and you work for a great gym, and you are really focused on helping people live a more active life and a happily active life, I'm I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you are there. We need ambassadors like that, but it's not like that across the board. And I got a really a, a, a front row seat to that on many occasions, but in one case in my book, the case that I pull out, this uh, fellow named Pierce, he really personified what I think was maybe fair to say, the darker side, the unethical side of fitness sales, if you will. So when someone told me that my book made them angry, my eyebrows popped up. What did I say? Did I write something awful? And I, I, of course, I went through that whole process. Well, it came down to this fella in the chapter I call Poke the Pain. In short, his is not really a likable story for a reason. He was a salesman who had an awful strategy when confronted with resistance during the sales process. So often we get in a position where we f- we encounter a salesperson and they're a little bit pushy. They they meet resistance where, where we don't really want to buy thing X. And then they start asking questions and they start trying to massage the defenses that you've got. So they're trying to persuade you. And there's a lot of ways to persuade you. And one of them is what Pierce used. And again, I don't want to spoil the chapter, but I do want to talk about the vigilance I think that we all require when we're out in the wild to build and maintain a positive bond with physical activity and make decisions that are really in our best interests. And just like any relationship, a strong, loyal one is based on a feeling, a set of exercise experiences that we like. That's got to be the core. The real engine for your motivation comes from the the feel of the experiences. It's not whether you have the fanciest equipment or the nicest clothes or the you're attending the the most expensive gym with the best trainers that can be helpful 
But if it's not built on a foundation of experiences or fitness experiences or recreating a set of fitness experiences that you really like, then none of that really matters in the end. It just becomes another endeavor of wasted money, wasted energy that eventually leads to dropout, right? And this is something that we're trying to avoid. And there's a lot of data. There's a lot of research to help inform our decisions. In my chapter, Poke the Pain, Pierce is trying to upsell a new member named Amanda a package of personal training and was kind of pulling some punches on her that I think were unfair. Unfortunately, because this poking the pain technique works, he was rewarded and he was rewarded by making you know, extra money in commissions from this practice. So he was motivated to keep on using this technique because he was rewarded for it financially. So let's cut to the chase. Poking the pain is really the deliberate act of finding a so-called pain point in order to motivate someone to make a purchase. It's been around a long time and can be found again in sales processes in a variety of industries. And I'll give you one non-fitness example. I was, for a while, I was um, doing a lot of consulting on giving and delivering tours, so facility tours. Some of them were in the gym and some of them were outside of the gym. So I would be hired to deliver tours that were um, engaging enough that people would be persuaded to join or in some cases purchase uh, something from a business. So obviously when you go to find a new gym, you end up taking it in some form, you take a tour. You, you have to see the facility. And some people, I guess, walk right up to the desk and sign up and they don't care. But a lot of people need to be, quote unquote, sold on the process. And so I had a applied a sort of evidence-based approach strategy to doing this that was quite successful. And so I started using my technique with gyms and elsewhere. So anyway, I was hired by a training company. A, um, it wasn't a gym. It was a training company that provided certifications in certain software applications and those software applications, or sorry, those certifications in those software applications helped people strengthen their resume and increase their employability. That was the general idea. The customers of this facility, of this business, were typically those who were out of work. And since I had been training a lot of sales staff at gyms, I was invited to share my facility touring and sales techniques with the sales staff there. And when I showed up for the first day of training, the first day that I was delivering training, another trainer, another sales trainer was there unbeknownst to me. I didn't know that this person was going to be there. Let's call him Ben for now. And now I thought I was going to be training on my own. I'd have the whole group to my own, but the company had thought it would be useful to get multiple perspectives. But our perspectives, as it turned out, clashed. And to make a long story short, I had these disagreements with Ben because I thought they were unethical. He also believed in this idea of finding the vulnerability in the visitors, in the people who are interested in perhaps signing up for these training courses. And these these courses were significant. Like we're talking thousands of dollars. There's These were significant investments. So this was not an, a simple decision. And I just didn't agree with the way that Ben used poking the paint during the closing moments of a sale. Ben was almost proud of how well he could expose their pain point. I'll give you an example here. If they were a family man, in one instance, and this is a real example, he would actually challenge their pride if they showed resistance or hesitation with 
signing up for the, one of these certifications. And so he, ch- he challenged their pride about being able to provide for their family. If they were younger, he'd make them feel poorly by judging the car that they drove, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, it was ridiculous what was coming out of his mouth. I couldn't believe it. You know, it makes you feel slimy. It gives that that common reaction a lot of us have to the sales process is that it seems disingenuous and slimy. And it was just all of that. It just felt gross. Just like Pierce's encounter with Amanda in my chapter, Poke the Pain. But anyway, he really, he being Ben, he really wanted to use the fear of judgment or fan the flames, if you will, of their current struggles to motivate them to part with a lot of money. And it was often the case that these individuals, because they were out of work, they had to borrow money to take the training. He was asking them to go into further debt. Could the software training actually change their lives in a positive way? Sure it could. Absolutely. And you could easily, as a salesperson, take that approach and get people to picture how good their life would be or how proud they could be for adding this piece to their to their resume and, and learning these new skills and and even finding through this process enjoyable new ways of, of working, new new jobs that they've never considered being able to apply for or they've never considered applying for. But that's not what Ben focused on at all. And I watched him deliver this message and I was like, well, <laughs> what do I do here? <laughs> what do I do? And so I actually found myself dealing with individuals who were uh, like one-on-one with salespeople. And I said, well, there's that way or you can ask people to take a more positive route and how this piece of the puzzle can improve how their life feels. But you don't have to necessarily remind them of how awful they might be feeling right now. You don't need to do that. And in fact, in fitness, when people are saying, well, I really feel out of shape, all these things, they they poke their own pain. They're already on that one end of the pain pendulum. They're not feeling great. They're And, and in, fit, in fitness in general, there's a lot of people, and I've been there myself, There's a lot of people who will walk through the doors of a gym or a yoga studio, and some of them might even feel like they're at a rock bottom. They just need to do something, right? So we don't need to just remind people of this. That's a lot of times, that's why people walk through the door. But what's really going to connect with a lot of people, and this is what I found when I was dealing one-on-one with salespeople for this software certification training center, was that there's always something that we can build around that's positive, something more purposeful within it and you can poke their purpose. You can remind them of idea that you're on this journey and this is a purposeful part of that journey to your life feeling more like you want it to feel. The general idea is that let's not just poke at each other's pain all the time to try and manufacture that motivation. I think that's unethical and I think that, again, we do a great job ourselves poking at our pain day in and day out for a lot of us, right? So, where is all of this going? So Pierce was a personal trainer and he was making his client or his potential client, or his, I guess he wanted to recruit her as a client, I should say. He wanted to make Amanda feel vulnerable and ashamed. When she met resistance, he started saying, well, you want to look better on the beach, don't you? I mean, we can help with that. And so he'd do these, he'd take these little digs and she completed a questionnaire, um, sort of an intake questionnaire before this meeting. And it allowed Pierce to 
find some of the quote-unquote weaknesses in her behavioral profile and target them and say, well, whoa, you know, you're, it looks like you're eating a lot of, you're eating a lot of ice cream. You know, that's really not going to get you towards your goals. And she started, you make people feel badly about themselves, right? And again, she was already there ready to make a positive change, but he wanted her to buy a personal training package. And to do that, he jabbed and jabbed and jabbed at her pain points. And at the end of it, he did close that sale and she, almost in a way, it, it, it seemed like in this particular case that she wanted to just get out of there. And so she agreed, she got, she added personal training to her membership package. And then as he was actually going to fill out the paperwork and I was with him, he joked about it. He was super proud of it. Pierce was, that is. Pierce was super proud of it. And he said, that's how it is. It's sales 101. You got to poke the pain. That was a very troubling experience. And I had to include it in the book. And so when people get angry over that chapter, I totally get it because people have had those experiences before or they've witnessed it and have felt similar things to what Amanda felt. And it should be aggravating. I mean, if there's any real point, and I hope there's several, but if there's any real point to the story today, this should upset you. That fitness culture uses techniques or fitness culture, the fitness industry, the bad actors, not the whole fitness industry, but there's bad actors in the fitness industry that want to make you feel badly so they can sell you something that usually you don't need. We need less of that if we're going to make a sustainable, positive change in our lives that we can't rely on the fitness industry to solve what's going on. We have to ask ourselves a little bit more profound questions, including how do you want this journey, this new journey that you're wanting to undertake? How do you want this to feel? How do you want this to go? What kind of experiences turn you on? That's a conversation we need to have. What are the experiences you want to recreate? Because that's the power source of any sustainable journey. That's the That's the engine, that intrinsic motivation, which I've brought up before, that intrinsic motivation is really the key to a long lasting relationship with physical activity and your body. And that's what we're really going after here. And so when that clashes with some bad actors in the fitness industry, it's easy to get distracted and forget that. And of course, then it becomes really easy to spend money that we're really never going to get a return on because we end up spending money on things that don't fit us that don't fall within our motivational interests, that don't really help us feel the way we want to feel. And fitness culture as a whole and all of its messages and the imagery make fitness ultimately about a look or a number or something similar. And as long as our pain is used or leveraged to sell us stuff, we'll be under attack. And what about that whole pain pendulum again? Well, We're at our most vulnerable on the psychological end after another fitness failure. And so people are dragging themselves to gyms and studios and stuff like that after a hiatus. And they're usually walking in there having been fed up with themselves that they've reached some sort of critical mass. And if you're there, I totally get it. That You just are so frustrated with how things are. You're frustrated with how you feel. Maybe you're frustrated with how you look. And that's usually a time where we take action, where it gets to a point where we just can't stand it anymore. And to have people there to remind you of all that and to magnify it is just, it's unethical. And I couldn't stand it and neither could Amanda, who was the subject or was subjected to it in that chapter, Poke the Pain. But 
also, I'm learning that a lot of you readers out there are having a reaction to it as well. And so at first I was like, oh no, you're angry and you're upset that, you know, about this chapter. And I'm like, well, you know what? I think we all should be. And if we're not careful, that pain, our pain points will lead us to more or to another set of poor decisions. It's a distraction. We get a kind of pain blindness. And so the question of the week is this, have you ever made a purchase while in a bad place mentally or emotionally? And then of course, regretted it afterwards. Have you ever made a purchase that way? And I think that's a rhetorical question because I'd be shocked if anyone would ever say no. And given how the fitness landscape is filled with these little landmines, big and small, that tap our insecurities and lead us into some regretful decisions, how do we combat it? As usual, a little awareness, and hopefully this podcast in some small way has offered that, but a little awareness of this pain poking technique can be a part of the answer. But after this sense of awareness, then what? Well, let's go back to the evidence. What does the research suggest? That's kind of what I tend to lean on in these situations. Well, loyalty to exercise is, as I said, it's fueled by enjoyment, most of all. And intrinsic motivation experts will tell you that the why, in quotations, behind what you do really matters. It If you don't like the process, it's probably not going to work out well. If you never feel like exercising, no outcome goal will keep you going for long. That's the meat and potatoes of it all. Or the tofu and asparagus for the vegetarians out there. Logically, I should tell you that you need to find and then go and do things that you enjoy, and that'd be accurate, but it's also incomplete. Enjoyment is a little more sophisticated than that, and it's quite a personal thing. A better thing to do is try and answer the question I asked before. How do you want your fitness journey to feel? Because if it becomes it being your fitness journey stands for something, it stands for a set of experiences you want to create, you can resist this pain poking technique with more vigor. All right, thanks again for joining me this week. I really do hope you check out last week's episode with the Upbeat Hike Addicts. I also encourage you to listen to episodes one through four, which also includes an episode on the pain pendulum. And that's where I lay out my philosophy to these things in much greater detail. So if you've joined late into the podcast, just go back and and check those out. They're not very long for a reason. And they're really intended there to be a resource, if you will, if you're feeling like you're drifting off course motivationally. With that, until next time, here's to living happily ever active. This episode of Happily Ever Active has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more content on the mental side of fitness. Oh, and don't forget to rate and review the show. See you next time.